You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. They were blessed. The men went willingly. That's what Lord is looking for. Lord is looking for a willing heart, not someone who is forced to move. He's looking for someone who has a willing heart, someone who wants to obey him, somebody who wants to do what he wants them to do. You know, he puts those things upon them. He's not a rough guy. He won't force you to do anything. He will not force you to do anything at all. But he shows you these things, and there's many, many blessings. In our world, many people view following Jesus as a cult. Oftentimes, they view it as a form of brainwashing, where Jesus is forcing followers into his rules. Today, Pastor Dave explains that this couldn't be further from the truth of the Lord. He wants nothing more than for you to follow him by your own accord and be saved. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 11 with today's edition of A Sure Hope. Today, we are going to try to get through two chapters because there's a lot of names in these chapters, a lot of names in the chapters. So we're going to try to get through two. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Nehemiah 11 and 12. You can only open them to one, so open them to Nehemiah 11, okay? Nehemiah 11, Nehemiah 11. And if you're struggling, that's after 10 before 12. So anyhow, Nehemiah 11. I hope you've been enjoying the study of Nehemiah. I have. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I've, I've learned a lot. And I was talking to someone before the, um, the study, and just how interesting Nehemiah was, and how incredibly a great example he can be for us in many, many different things, including when he has a little bit of a problem. He has a little bit of a problem, but that's okay, because the Lord shows us that even these saints that he uses mightily struggle. And, and we can relate to that too. So hopefully you found your way to Nehemiah chapter 11. So as I said, you know that Nehemiah had finally completed the great and mighty work that the Lord had sent him to Jerusalem to complete. The walls were rebuilt. The gates were hung in place. And then the people were, heard the word of God and it was given understanding to them. After hearing the word of God... There was a great rejoicing, and their great rejoicing turned to great sorrow as they recognized their sinful state. This led to repentance. It led to sacrifice. Then they began to celebrate the feast according to God's word. They separated themselves from the other nations, as it was told though, in God's word. And, and, and they refused to allow their sons and daughters to marry outside of Judaism. This indeed was a true revival. A true revival which started in the heart. Holy Spirit quickening the heart to the truth of God and then the change that took place in their lives because of what the Word of God did inside them. It's true revival. And all of them now made this covenant with God. They, they made this covenant with God. Their hearts were broken 
Their lives were restored. Their lives were changed. And then the nation did what the nation hadn't done in a long time. They put God first. They decided to commit themselves to the Lord God, Jehovah. And they began to worship him. They began to do the sacrifices. The temple had been rebuilt earlier. So now the sacrifices were taking place and all was going according to God's plan. They were moving along nicely. But for some reason, the people chose not to inhabit the city of Jerusalem. They rather live in the suburbs. They rather live outside of the walls. They made a thing about saying they didn't want to live in Jerusalem. And this made Jerusalem extremely weak. A weak Jerusalem meant a weak Israel. Do you hear what I said? A weak Jerusalem meant a weak Israel. Nehemiah knew the importance of having the people inhabit the city and make the population grow. Why? Well, first of all, first and foremost, to protect the city. They needed to protect this thing. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the holy city of God. The one that David wrestled from the Jebusites and made his place the city of David. It was God's city, God's holy city. But they had to protect it. They never knew when the enemy would attack, and they were surrounded by enemies. It was certainly easier to live among the Gentiles, and maybe a little safer too, but the city needed to be protected. Remember who the city belonged to. It was God's holy city. Secondly, if the people really truly loved God and his holy city, they would want to live there. They would want to be where he was, where the temple was, where all the excitement was. They would want to inhabit this place, this city of God. After all, why rebuild a city if you're not going to inhabit it? Why take the time to rebuild the walls, hang the gates, rebuild the temple if you're not going to live there? And even though the city was still in shambles, it needed to be inhabited. And thirdly, more importantly, God had brought the people back from captivity to do a special job. He had a special job for them to do. And by living and by abandoning the city, they would obstruct the working out of God's plan and his will through the nation. Israel had to be inhabited. It had to be a strong center of Jewish religion. It had to be the center of all things Israel. Why? Because soon God would send forth his son. Soon God would send forth his son into that city, that very place where Jesus would come and he would suffer and die outside its walls. It was to be there. It was to be inhabited. It was to be strong. It was to be a, a, a center of the relig Jewish religion. Jerusalem was important to God because of his plan for the salvation of mankind. It was important that people re-inhabit the holy city. So God, through Nehemiah, called them back. God called them back through Nehemiah. We pray for revival. We pray for his will to be done. We pray for his guidance. But when he speaks, are we ready to move and do what he asked us to do? Are we ready to do what he asked us to do? Are we ready to move according to his plan? I love what John Corson said here, quote, Lord, send us your spirit. Revive us and renew us, we pray. But do we realize that the answer might mean we have to leave a place of comfort? 
The Lord desires to rebuild, renew, and fill us. Consequently, this might mean we'll go places we never thought we would go or do things we never thought we would do as the Spirit overflows in us, unquote. We should never, ever underestimate the importance of simply being physically present in the place where the Lord wants you to be. That is so important. You might not be asked to to perform some dramatic, incredible ministry. But simply being there could be a ministry. Think about it. I told you the story how in 1993, I felt I got the call to become a pastor. In 1993. 17 years later, I got the call to come down here to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. (laughs) B and I were establishing in Vineland, New Jersey. We had a great big home there. We had friends there. We were at church there. I was an elder at the church. I was on the board. I was on the worship team. I did all sorts of things. But I was called here. We had to make the decision to leave everything behind and come here. When God calls you, are you willing to move? When God calls you to move, is it moving day? When God tells you it's time for you to pick up and go somewhere, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do it without hesitation? Without hesitation. When I told my lovely wife Beatrice we were going to Cape May, she said, not on your life. See, we had lived in Ocean City for 20 years, right by the boardwalk. And she thought we were coming back to another shore town. She thought we would be coming back to another place that would be absolutely hectic and crazy during the summertime, which the place is, but you know what I'm saying. In Ocean City, it was nuts if you're living that close to the boardwalk. But I told her the same thing I always tell her. Would you do me a favor and pray about it? And she did. And then sometime later, she said... I'm ready to go. And we came down here. We left everything. Our friends left everything. We had a great circle of friends and people, and we came down here. And God provided. He provided us a house to rent. When we looked, the first time we looked at some place, the first house we rent flooded. It flooded. And a lot of my papers and books and study books were all ruined because it was on the floor when it flooded. They came and they cleaned it up, and it flooded again. And I asked the landlady, If we could get out of the lease, we couldn't stay here because she wasn't about to put in a French drain around the um, area so that it wouldn't flood. And she graciously gave us out of the lease and even gave us our deposit back. And we drove, got in the car, and drove a couple blocks, and we came down this street called Roseanne, and we turned on this street called Deborah, and all of a sudden there was a for rent sign there. We called, and now we've been there for 13 years. God provided the place for us. God can, And now we own the place. We bought the place last year. God provided the place for us. So if you're willing to sacrifice certain things when God calls you, he will use you and he will do certain things in your life. And that's what we see happening here. These men and women who eventually inhabited Jerusalem were serving the Lord. By moving into Jerusalem. They were serving the nation by moving into Jerusalem. And they were serving future generations, including the Lord Jesus Christ, by stepping out in faith and moving into Jerusalem. They had to leave everything behind. Now remember, the captives, if I can call them that, that had returned from Babylon, have been there now for almost 90 years. 
So some of them that have come were really established. They were really bunkered in, hunkered in, and where they, where they used to live and where they were living. They had to get up and move into Jerusalem. Let's look at 1 and 2 and 11. Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine-tenths were to dwell in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Interesting. Interesting here. The people had promised to tithe a 10% of all their animals, of all their livestock, of all their goods, and all their things, and now Nehemiah decides to tithe a tenth of them. <laughs> he says, we're giving a tenth of you to the Lord. So draw a lot, draw a cast, and you're going to move in. Ten percent. They love the fact they were blessed. The men went willingly. That's what the Lord is looking for. The Lord is looking for a willing heart, not someone who is forced to move. He's looking for someone who has a willing heart, someone who wants to obey him, somebody who wants to do what he wants them to do. You know, he puts those things upon them. He's not a rough guy. He won't force you to do anything. He will not force you to do anything at all. But he shows you these things, and there's many, many blessings. And I'm thinking right now of the two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan River, remember? The two tribes that stayed on the other half, the two and a half tribes that stayed on the other half of the river. They were happy there. They loved it there. We're not going in there. Now, the deal was they were going to help Joshua conquer the land, and then they could go back over there. Now, did God bless them? Absolutely. They were God's children. But what did they miss out on? God's total blessing. God's blessing. I believe... And this is my this is my thought. They missed out on the abundant life because they didn't come and take all that God wanted them to have. God calls you to something. You don't have to go. God's not going to hit you with a wooden spoon and smack you upside the head and be angry at you. You'll still be blessed. But think of the blessing that could be if you stepped out in faith and obeyed God. And that's what's happening here to my man, Nehemiah. I love it. Men went willingly. They were willing to sacrifice themselves and go for the good of the group. So beginning in verse 4 all the way to 24, we have names. All right? These are the heads of the providence who Jerusalem, but in the cities of Judah, everyone dwelt in his own possession in their cities. Israelites, priests, Levites, Nephilim, and descendants of Solomon's servants also in Jerusalem dwelt some of the children of Judah and of the children of Benjamin. Then it goes on and starts to list the names. Another series and series and series of name. It's interesting. Throughout Ezra, throughout Nehemiah, we're giving lists of names. We're told about those who came out of the captivity with Zerubbabel. We're told about the leaders of the Bible conference in chapter 8. The 84 men were told each name of the ones that signed the covenant with the Lord and the dedication to the Lord. Now, you may think this is totally unnecessary. Why are all these names here? Why should I read all these names? What the, what's the big deal about all these names? And they're hard to pronounce. It's unnecessary. This shows me that God remembers those who do his calling. God remembers them. God remembered these people to put them in his word. Their names are right here in his 
word. You might not want to read them or try to pronounce their names because they're difficult, but these names are important to God. These names are so important to God that he had them listed in his word by the Holy Spirit. He records those who, who serve him. He records what they do. It's right here listed. How about the fact that the Lord remembers all the things that you have done? You're listed somewhere in his book. You're in one of his remembrances. You're there. And I love that. Even if no one else recognizes the work you're doing for God, God recognizes it. God sees it. And he keeps an account of it. I love that. You don't have to tell anybody. I did that. Okay, great. There's your reward. But when you don't tell anybody, you get a reward in heaven because God's writing it down. He's keeping track of it. I love the fact that these names are written here in record. We don't know any of them, but the Lord does, and they're important to him. That just excites me that God knows who I am. The people of Judah and Benjamin are listed first. Why? Because the nation Judah had Benjamin inside it. And remember, they were the southern nation. Remember that? Israel was called the northern nation when they split. Remember when they split with Rehoboam? We studied that in Kings. These two tribes made up the kingdom of Judah after the division in 1 Kings. We see that there was valiant men listed, mighty men listed. These also could be brave men and fighting men, of the men who, also men who were wealthy and had substance. And in verses 10 through 24, you see the priests and the temple workers. This was a step of faith. Because if you remember, God had provided special cities for the priests and the Levites in Joshua 21. Remember, they were called cities of what? Refuge. Cities of refuge. That, that, that places where they could go. Places where the, 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 the Levites and it would be. He chose the people to serve as God. I love this. Many of these people needed the temple for ministry. The priests officiated at the altar. The Levites assisted them. And there were maintenance men in verse 16. And there were ministers of praise and worship. They had their own worship team. They had their own choir. They had their own team, verses 17 and 22. And then there were those who actually guarded the temple, some 300 of them. There were some 300 temple guards. Why? Why did they need temple guards? What was stored in the temple? Well, first of all, all the tithes and offerings were stored in the temple. Then you had all this gold all over the place. You had the Ark of the Covenant. You have all these other things. You had all this beautiful stuff stored in the temple that had to be guarded. There were temple guards everywhere. You want to see guards, go over to Rome and see the, the, the papal guards. We saw one standing there like, whoa, was that a clown? <laughs> the guy was all dressed up and he had a wild regalia on. But they had temple guards everywhere. They had temple guards. So, so the, 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 the temple needed to be guarded. Needed to be guarded because it could easily be sacked. Many people, many skills to maintain the ministry. Doesn't that sound familiar to anybody? Church? A church made up of many, 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 many people? We had a ministry appreciation dinner. And I invited everybody who was in ministry at that time. Everybody went and they came and their spouses. And there was only two spouses that came that weren't in ministry. It's 67 people there. 67 people in a church like this serving? That's unheard of. That's unheard of. What a blessing that is. And 
Since that time, folks, the number has grown. The number has grown. There's more people serving now than there was then. Because the Lord puts it upon people's heart to serve. You're here for a while, and all of a sudden you want to serve him. You want to get involved in ministry. You want to serve him in some way. I don't know which way. There's a group that comes every Saturday morning, and they clean the place. And it's turned into a ministry. They clean the entire church. They vacuum. They do toilets. They do kitchens. They do floors. And then they pray. And they talk. It's a great thing. There's people after Sunday service who are up here vacuuming the, the floor. There's people who come in the morning. I mean, it's incredible. People doing all sorts of things. You don't know what happens behind the scenes here. So many things happen, but it takes people. And people are serving. People value this place. And that's great because we know who this place belongs to. This is our church and we call it our church, right? But this is God's house. This place belongs to God. And I want to do everything I can to make this place glory to God. The Lord uses many people with different gifts and skills to get his work accomplished. Even witnessing, even going out there and telling people about Jesus Christ. Not everybody you talk to is going to go, I want the Lord and save right there. You might get those who do that, praise God. They may do that. But you know, you might plant a seed. And then someone comes along and speaks the same thing you spoke about, watering the seed, giving it cultivation, maybe even put a little plant food in there with some word. But then all of a sudden, bang, God gives the increase. You know, it's not going to happen, but it takes everybody. It takes us all to do that. You know, we, we, we get in trouble sometimes for not calling certain people when they're sick or being this and being that. But if you get a visit from somebody in the body, somebody who goes to this church, consider it part of the body of Christ that you're being visited by. It doesn't have to be one of the pastors. We try to get out, but we're, it, it's hard for us sometimes. But consider you're being visited by someone who is part of the family. And that's what it's all about. The Lord is looking for different people with skills to get involved in his work. He's looking for hearts that are towards him. Hearts that are ready and open and said, here I am. When is it moving day, Lord? I'm going to go. I'll serve the Lord wherever I want. I'm going to serve him with everything I got. I'm going to serve him. Well, you need to go to Camden, New Jersey. Well, now, wait a minute, Lord. Um, let's talk about this. He's not looking for people to do self-service. He's not looking for people who are trying to get personal gain out of ministry. He's not looking for people to get notoriety. He's not looking for people who want him to be noticed by everybody as, oh, he's doing a great job. The Lord wants people simply to serve him. Simply to serve him. All the way down in verse 23, we see that the king of Persia helps support the ministry of the temple. The king of Persia, look at verse 23. For it was the king's command concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers a quota day by day. And it goes on to talk about that. The beautiful thing. And then in verses 25 to 36, Nehemiah names the villages where the Jews live. Some were far outside of Jerusalem. These folks would still be under Nehemiah's authority and expect to be loyal to the king of Persia. Remember who placed Nehemiah in authority. First of all, God placed them there, but it was the king of Persia who put him there. You are assured. 
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching from the book of Nehemiah and sharing the story of how the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt through Nehemiah's great leadership and the blessing of the Lord. Once the wall was fully rebuilt, the people came together for one specific purpose. We read about it in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3, which says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The first thing the people did when the work was complete was to turn to God's Word. The work was all done under the direction and protection of God, and going to His Word when it was done brought God glory. When you're done with the work, don't forget to worship. Thanks for joining us today on A Sure Hope. If you want to hear more teachings from Pastor Dave, simply head on over to AsureHopeRadio.com. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. You'll find archived teachings and links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. And with that, we'll see you next time on A Sure Hope.